my beautiful family. Oh man, I missed you guys. You know, I was sick and then I was, I was traveling last week. And so it is so awesome to be back with you today. And I thought what we would do, I thought since I'm gone that I would come back and I would tell you a joke. I have a joke for you. Are you ready to laugh at church today? Turn to your neighbor and say, you can laugh at church. It's all right. Okay. So I got to warn you, this is, this is a blonde joke. But I've decided it's a, it's a non-GT blonde joke, all right? And none of our blondes would act this way, whether you're a natural blonde or not, right? <laughs> and so it's a, it's a blonde joke, but it's pretty funny. So this blonde uh, lady, she, she gets on an airplane. It's her first time on the airplane, all right? So she doesn't really know how it works, but she's super excited because she's going to New York for the first time. So first time on an airplane, and what she does is she gets on there and she plops herself right in the first seat she comes to, right there in first class. Well, the flight attendant goes over to her and is like, honey, you, you didn't purchase first class tickets. You need to get all the way in the back. That's where I usually sit, you guys. I'm usually back in the cheapy, cheapy seats, you know what I mean? And she goes, nope, nope, this is my first flight. It's my first time to New York. Nope, nope, I'm not moving. And the flight attendant's like, precious, I don't think you understand. (laughs) No, you need to move to the back. Well, she refused to move. And so the pilot heard what was going on, and he simply came out as a gentleman, went over to her and whispered something in her ear. And she promptly got up and marched right back to the, you know, the, the, the cheapy, cheapy seats. So she goes all the way back there, and so the flight attendant goes, What did you say to her? Like, she just got right up and moved. And he said, I just let her know that this section of the plane wasn't going to New York. (laughs) See, funny. A non-GT blonde, though. Non-GT blonde. (laughs) Listen, it is truly, you guys. It's fantastic to be back with you today. And we're starting a two-week series that will take us right up to Valentine's Day. And so our series for the next two weeks are, is called Matters of the Heart. Matters of the Heart. And my family, I want you to know that I would have your heart uncluttered. I would have your heart be soft and pliable and, and full of wide open spaces. Not heavy and dark or weighted down by the cares and the concerns of this world. A heavy heart, a broken heart, a darkened heart. And what we're going to do next Sunday is we're going to talk about some of the things that clutter our heart. But what I want to do today and what's my prayer, it's my prayer to impress upon you the importance of not having a complex and cluttered heart. I titled my message today, family, it's time to simplify. Turn to your neighbor because they need to hear it from you. Say it's time to simplify. A heart that is soft and pliable, especially to the the Lord. A heart that is not so complex like an onion that is layered and layered and layered and seems like the cares and the concerns of this world, the heartaches and the pains go right to our heart. I would have your heart uncluttered, my beautiful family. The psalmist 
And Psalm 119 says, I incline my heart to obey your word, God. I incline my heart to follow your statutes. And so incline, what does that mean? I direct my heart. I point my heart. I order my heart. Why? Because I'm in charge of my heart. Did you know you're in charge of your heart? For so many of us, we give our hearts to the wrong people. We find our our hearts so cluttered, so heavy, so complex. So it's our heart, family. It's our heart that God wants. When you read in the word of God, that God will give us the desires of our heart, that doesn't mean that anything that could ever pop into our mind or any desire, the idea behind that verse is this, family, is that our heart is so yielded and so surrendered to God, His will and His way, that it's much easier for God to say yes to our desires because they are perfectly in line with His. And so it's my prayer, family, to encourage you to simplify. That it's having a a simple heart, an uncomplicated heart, is the way to go. And so there are really two things that I want to talk to you about this morning, family. First, I want to talk to you today about the importance, family, just seriously the importance of what it is that you do. So often people are just like, how did I get here? Okay, so you might already, right off the very beginning of this message, just say, like, I agree with you. I, I, I agree with you, Pastor. Like, My heart is complex. My heart is, but how did I end up here? Well, the first thing we're going to talk about is, that I believe is because so many of us don't know who we are. We give our hearts away so quickly because I figure if I'm with her, then she can define me. If I'm with him, then being with him is who I become. Guys, we can be so defined by our jobs. And so that if it's time to change jobs or God forbid we lose our job, it's like I don't know who I am because my life, my person was what I did. Ladies, how often have you fallen into the trap of giving your heart to the wrong knucklehead? I had a lady tell me, she's like, why do I keep doing it, Pastor Matt? Why do I keep trusting? I, I give my heart, like what? And I, I think it's this, family. We, even as believers, I think sometimes we buy into the lie that the world has told us, which is this. You just need to follow your it's a lie because how many of you know if you follow your heart, sometimes your heart will get your behind in trouble? Yes, you're right. That's so, true. so, no, we're not 
told anywhere in the Bible to just follow your heart. To just do what you feel. We're to be led. We're to follow the Holy Spirit. Amen, family? And so what, I'm, what my desire with these two messages is that you would invite the Holy Spirit to do heart surgery on you. Because we need the Holy Spirit to, right here at the beginning of a new year to, to do heart surgery on us, to, to take away or to remove anything that's not of him. And next week we'll talk about some of the things that clutter our heart. But first, I think it gets that way because we don't know who we are. So who's the Bible? What does God say about you? In 1 John, the author of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, it is widely accepted by most Bible scholars that it's the Apostle John, the same John that wrote the Gospel of John. And so 1st John is where we're going to be in today, the family, and starting at chapter 3. And it's important because sometimes we got to shake ourselves and remind ourselves of who we are. What does John say about who you are and who I am. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called what family? Who are we? That we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us, they don't get us. They don't understand why we move through life differently. The, the reason the world does not know us is because it did not know Jesus. Beloved, we are God's children now. Yeah. Who am I? Who am I? We are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, and you know he's coming back. You haven't forgotten, right? You haven't gotten so busy in life that you forgot Jesus is coming back. When he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And this has nothing to do with my message. But do you know on that day, you guys, did you, do you realize you won't need faith anymore because your faith will be made sight? And we'll be like him. Hmm. He goes on to say, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure through Christ's family. Through Christ, God has solved our identity crisis, number one. Through Christ. And so you no longer need to run around asking people to tell you who they think you are. You don't need to date someone so you can find yourself. 
You don't need to make a certain amount of money so that you can feel good about your identity. Your identity is not about who you know, not about what you have, not about your reputation or your popularity. Your identity is all wrapped up in the personhood of Jesus Christ. It really matters what Jesus says about you. You're a child of God now. And sometimes we forget that family because it it seems at first something very easy to just grab onto. Okay, okay, okay. I'm a child of God. But you need to know all the perks of being a child of God. What that means is, is when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. When you pass through the waters of adversity, you will not drown because you're a child of God. You don't have to be led around by your heart because you're led by the Holy Spirit. And so who you're married to or what your job is or how much money you have in the bank, all those things can be great. But if you try to find out who you are separate from Christ, you're always going to end up, family, in the middle of an identity crisis. Because everything else is temporary. You're a child of the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never change his mind about you. You'll never be too too poor, not smart enough, or too heavy, or too... You'll always be the apple of his eye. And so your identity is wrapped up in someone solid. You don't have to go around giving your heart away. It just, if it breaks my heart to see people trying to find their identity in who they date. Trying to find their identity in what they have. And so you see it, people who are in their 30s and 40s, 50s and 60s, and have no idea who they are. My beautiful family, I would have your heart uncluttered. And it starts with you knowing precisely who you are and whose you are. He will never change his mind about you. And so your identity crisis is solved. It's over. It's done. It's all wrapped up and tied up in who God says that you are. That's what matters most. So I didn't say this first service, but I really feel like I'm supposed to right now. For some of you, you need to recollect your heart from someone that should have never had it in the first place. He didn't deserve that part of you. She didn't deserve 
that. And so you need to recollect that and give it to the one who will never break it. Never. Who only satisfies. You don't have to keep looking at your paycheck to find your significance. I'm just waiting for that title. Once I have that title, then I'll be somebody. You're a child of the Most High King, and there's no higher honor. It doesn't get better than that, baby. You're a child of the King. So you don't need anybody or any role to define you. Identity crisis, done. Lastly, family. Maybe you're inclined to agree with me. Right, right, right at the beginning of this, this two-part series, you're already in. You're like, okay, okay. <laughs> yes, it is best, pastor, to live with an uncomplicated heart. Yes, it's best. But it's already cluttered. There are already things that, have, that weigh down my heart. I'm not really sure how it happened, but it's there. My heart is not full of wide open spaces. It's, it's complicated and it's dark and it's weighty. So how did how'd that happen? I realized, family, several years after Pastor BG was killed, that I was carrying so much junk in my heart. And you want to know how I realized it, Barb? I talked about it all the time. Phil, there were several people that, when Pastor BG passed away, that before his passing and even during that time, did and said some terrible things. And Ron, do you ever know, like, do you ever think you're fine? Have you ever just told yourself, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? And no matter how many times you keep telling yourself, you can't convince yourself that you actually are. You know what I mean? And so years after his passing, what I kept hearing myself practicing, Gail was all the hurt and betrayal. And mama, you know it's true because you were one of the people that I was practicing to, weren't you? I can't believe they did that. I can't believe that they would say that. I can't just... It matters what you practice. And so years after his passing, I, I realized that my heart was full of some very ugly things. Because what you practice, hear your pastor this morning, family. What you practice is what you become. What you practice is what you become. And so all those years, over 20 years that I was the music pastor here, people, you know, you, you guys know I'm, I'm kind of a mess, right? I'm kind of a character. I like to have a good time. 
But in practice, like the, the band and the singers, they used to call me the little Hitler because, oh, because in my practices, you guys, it was all, I mean, we had fun, but it was all business. Why? We practiced very rigorously so that when we stood here, there were little to no mistakes because God deserves excellence, right? You practice what you become. And so there I was, practicing unforgiveness. And we're going to talk about this more next week. There I was, practicing bitterness, practicing betrayal. Just pra I realized my heart is full of garbage. How'd I get here, Pastor? John answers it beautifully. Let's jump back into the notes, fam. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning is also practicing, also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And maybe it's one of those things, it's like, well, I, I wouldn't call myself a sinner. I, I mean, sin, I mean, that just sounds, so I just gossip a little. I don't, I mean, or I just, you know, every once in a while I tell a little white lie. I wouldn't call it sin. Well, the Bible calls it sin, right? Sin. And we all do it. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared to take away sin. Not to give us excuse, right? Well, you don't know what I've been through. That's why I said Jesus came to absolutely take it away. And in him there is no sin. No one abides in him and keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Aucha magaucha. Hmm. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices good, Whoever practices righteousness, guess what, is righteous. It turns out what you do matters. As Jesus is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to what family? Absolutely obliterate, to completely destroy the works of the devil so that it no longer has power over us. That's why Jesus showed up. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him and he or she cannot keep on sinning. Why? Because he's been born of God. So what is John not saying here? John is not saying the second you give your life to Jesus, bada bing, bada boom, you're perfect, no more sin. Don't you wish it was so, you guys? Don't you wish? 
oh my gosh, I'd be so much easier. You know what I mean? He's not saying once you give your life to Jesus, you're perfect. Just forget. Nope. What he's saying is this. No one who knows God, who really belongs to God, ever settles down and gets comfortable sinning. I know I shouldn't be saying that. I know I shouldn't be doing that. But you don't know, like my, my, my parents weren't very good to me or, or I, I went through a divorce or I was like no one who really knows God ever gets comfortable or makes excuses like, yeah, but it's just who I am. He doesn't say we don't sin because we all know we do, right? What he says is, is when we sin, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, I need to repent of that. Because we recognize, see this picture in your mind, my beautiful family. See this picture in your mind with me, okay? We recognize that what we practice is what we become. So see this picture in your mind. I wish there would have been a way today to have a big old huge heart here. We realize that what we practice is either picking up garbage and adding it to our heart, or it's allowing the Holy Spirit to do surgery and remove the garbage from our heart. What are you practicing? Is the way you're living adding more junk to your heart? Don't you already feel guilty enough? Why would we be practicing stuff that would only further complicate our hearts? And so John says, for those of us who are children of God, we don't ever find ourselves, well, it's just who I am. Sure, I lie, but it's just who I am. Nope. We know we sin. When we sin, we repent. And we don't say, oh God, it's just, you know, it's just part of being a guy, or oh, okay. no, no. Because what we practice, family, number two, what we, excuse me, what we, whatever you practice shows what's right here shows it whatever we practice what we're doing is really saying to everybody here look at my heart look at my heart you want to see what's in my heart just watch what I do just watch how I behave here's my heart I'm showing you every day by what I do what the contents of my heart is so what what I would have, my beautiful family, is that your heart would be full of wide open spaces, so light and so free. And instead of me walking around, great, but I still can't believe, you know that's been two years, you know that's been three years ago, you know that's been four years ago, I can't believe they said that, I can't believe they did. What I decided to do, family, 
was just say, Holy Spirit, I need heart surgery. I need heart surgery. Holy Spirit. And so what I'm going to ask you all to do this morning might seem silly to you, but I'm, I'm just going to ask you if you'll indulge your little pastor here. Would you indulge me just for a moment? What I'm going to ask you to do is first I'm going to ask you to place your hand upon your heart. And maybe you can readily identify the clutter that's there. You don't need anybody to tell you because you know it's there. But what you need is to symbolically present your heart to him. And so would you just would you just do that and you guys I'm just asking you, I know it might seem silly, but I'm asking you to do it by the Spirit, okay? If, if you, would you just kind of take it out and hold it in front of you and would you say, Holy Spirit, here it is. I mean, just, here's my heart and Holy Spirit, all I can see is the darkness. Holy Spirit, all I can see is sadness. When I look at it, Holy Spirit, I, I almost need two hands because it's in so many pieces. Holy Spirit, when I look at my heart, I almost don't recognize it. I almost feel like it's the heart of a monster because it's so misshapen and it's so, it's so dark. How did, how did it get like this? I don't know what to do because I'm... I'm disappointed and I'm, I'm embarrassed. But you know what to do with it, Holy Spirit. You know what to do with all the secrets. You know what to do with all the shame. You know what to do with all the questions. And so here's my heart, Holy Spirit. Do your surgery on it. I want to live. I want to live. And I don't want to follow this because it's gotten me places. I, I, it's robbed me of things that I can't get back. I, I just, I give my heart to you, Holy Spirit, and you do your divine surgery on it. Look at all the fear that's there. Look at it, Holy Spirit. All the fear, just, just here. I've been doing it. I've been trying to administrate my own heart. But here, here, you do your surgery. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, my beautiful family? I would have your heart uncluttered, my beautiful family. I would have you free to live the life that Jesus promised you I would have your heart uncluttered so here we are Holy Spirit do your surgery 
Created me a clean heart. Restore the joy of my salvation. A pure heart, that's what I long for. A heart that follows hard after you. Here it is, Jesus. No more excuses. Well, but you don't know what I've been through. No more excuses. Here it is. I surrender. I thank you for my beautiful family, God. For the plans that you have for them are to prosper them and not to harm them. future. Let it begin with a pure heart. A free heart that's available to you like never before. In Jesus' name. If you'll keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here or you're watching and You've never taken that heart and said, Jesus, fill it with you, <laughs> with your presence. I'm going to say a prayer and I'm going to give you an opportunity to accept him as your savior today. Would you say this? Would you say, dear Jesus, here's my heart. Take away the shame. Take away the guilt. From now on, I belong to you. Be my savior. Lead me. Guide me. Fill me with your spirit. And I will follow in your name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate with people giving their lives to Jesus today? Would you stand with me, my beautiful family? Part one. Part two next week, family few days before Valentine's Day, we're going to take a look at what the contents of your heart is. What are some things that are cluttering your heart and how do you walk free from it? I'm believing God next Sunday that he's going to deliver you next Sunday, family. It'll set you on a course for more freedom than you've ever had before in your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love seeing you here. I love, and I certainly love seeing you, and I love you from the bottom of my heart, family. See you next Sunday, okay? And love you.